Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a box spot, and on my way go. We in Bitten Airwaves. Cool. Yes, yes, y'all. We got a hot show lined up for y'all tonight. But before we get into the thick of things, here is Chance the Rapper featuring Lil Wayne and 2 Chains. No problems. Only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to all my cool cats and cool kittens. Once again, it is your man DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! That's right, that's right. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airwaves right now. And that was a little something, something from my mid-card mess fam. Shout-outs to you guys. And also, another big shout-out to uh, another Facebook group that I'm a part of, which is entitled The Ball is Life Crew. So shout-outs to you guys, because I got a special show for you guys and as well as all my ball fans out there tonight, because I'm going to be breaking down the third encounter between the Cavs and the Warriors, which is all set for next Thursday, June 1st. It's going to be special, man. It's going to be special. So I'm about to get into that. We're going to get into some drizzy drama. We're going to get into uh, some biggie drama as well, so to speak. But before we get into all of that, you know, I got some stuff to get off my chest, right? Around this time, 8.35, 8.36, every Friday night, I got some stuff to relief or to relieve, actually, I should say. Uh, so on that note, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So, for tonight's show, we're going to break it down between half basketball and half hip-hop. Normally, it's it's 75-80% hip-hop for the most part, and we sprinkle in the sports in a little bit in between. But I'm on my sportscaster tip right now, so let's talk some ball, shall we? So, the first topic that I really got to discuss, and that was this close, this close to giving it a wankster of the week, but I pulled back. And also because I found something a bit more worthy. Um, Scottie Pippen made headlines this week. And uh, he was asked about LeBron and how far he is away from Jordan. If he's close to Jordan, does he measure up to him? Are they on the same stature? Whatever the case may be. So not only did he say that he's not even close to Jordan, but he's not even close to Kobe? What? Not? Well, hold on. Not? Close to Kobe? No! 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 I'm sorry, Scotty. I mean, like, you're one of the greatest wingmen who ever lived, but I vehemently disagree with that. Now, before I get into my diatribe, uh, there was a quote from him in regards to his statement uh, from that day. So this is what Scotty had to say in regards to all of that. <clears throat> Pardon me. He said, and I quote, I don't think he surpassed Kobe at all, no. And I don't think he should be compared to either of those players because they play different positions. So you see how he tried to clean it up a little bit. He goes on. Kobe and Michael are both two guards. They're both scorers. 
They're mostly like a Kyrie. They're looking to score the basketball when it hits their hand. They're not looking to make plays for anyone on the floor. They're not looking to be a facilitator. That's the role that LeBron plays because he's such a dominant and powerful force, and he's a great passer. And then he goes on to further say, I think he plays a lot more like Magic, a lot more like myself, how I played. Obviously, he's more dominant than both me and Magic because of the way he plays the game. His physicality, his athleticism surpasses Magic as well as me. So, he tried to clean it up a bit. And technically, under that context, he's right because they do both play different positions. Mind you, Michael Jordan played a little bit of forward, but he was mostly a guard. Uh, but that's we're getting to semantics at that point. But he knows all too good and well, like any other analyst, broadcaster, fan alike, that LeBron has constantly been compared to Michael Jordan ever since he got drafted into the league because he was seen as the new face of the NBA, the future face, and right now he's a current face. He's been the face of the league for the last eight or nine years, you know, arguably. Um, But, yeah, like, there's every reason to compare them. Now, the comparisons, they get very tiresome, and whenever you hear or watch um, watch another show, whether it be First Take or Undisputed or anything of the sort, or if you're listening to another podcast and you hear the debate come up over and over again, it becomes redundant and you almost feel as if it's a slow news day. But the comparisons keep coming up because we haven't seen a talent of this magnitude since the Jordan. And then maybe a Kobe. Now, mind you, Kobe, his style is more predicated on MJ style, which is why they're compared to the most in terms of how they play. And Kobe, in my opinion, hasn't really created a tangible style for himself that would separate him from his peers. But that's another story for another day. In regards to LeBron being compared to Michael, it's, it's inevitable. It's bound to happen besides the fact that he wears the number 23. It's mainly because of the fact that he's accomplishing, accomplishing so many feats and even surpassing so many feats that MJ has accomplished. As a matter of fact, there's only yesterday, as of this recording, that LeBron basically passed MJ for the most points scored uh, in the playoffs, basically, or most points, most points accumulated within the postseason, I should say. Uh, so comparisons like that, like when he breaks records like that, the, the comparisons are bound to come up. I mean, he beat MJ in total points scored overall. Uh, so it's only going to keep rising and rising and rising. Actually, I don't think he did. I may be wrong. I think it's Kobe who did that, actually. But anyways, you see what I'm trying to say. Um, the comparisons are fair and they're unfair at the same time because at the end of the day, like Scotty did say, they are different players. They have different mentalities. But they are fair at the same time because of the fact that we haven't seen someone of LeBron's talent level since an MJ, which is why these comparisons keep on flying around, the debates keep on happening and what have you. And I honestly think that Scotty was trying to play the ming- the wingman role, you know, akin to Michael once again, you know, trying to keep his pedestal just a couple of notches higher. But whether or not he's there at the same level or higher than him, I think LeBron at this point in his career is equally deserving of being part of the conversation. He's been in the league for 14 years now. He's been to seven straight finals appearances, which hasn't been done since Bill Russell, let's be honest. Um, he's doing things that, that are unprecedented, and he's doing it at an unprecedented rate. In fact, if you ask me, and quite frankly a lot of other people as well, LeBron has surpassed Kobe. And I know it's blasphemy to say that because Kobe, in terms of playing style, is the closest thing to MJ. But that doesn't make him MJ. 
And at least with LeBron, he's actually created a style for himself that has separated him from his peers. Like we do compare him to Magic because of his of his size in terms of how he played the point position, um, in terms of on the offense. And then we also compare him to uh, Shaq when it comes to dominance, like physical dominance. No one as physical as LeBron has really dominated that position before that he plays. We haven't really seen a player that that can cover all five positions on the floor at one point at one time if you wanted to and he's just so versatile overall so of course you know the comparisons of dominance are going to come in the game and just comparisons in general so i think and i'm not the biggest lebron fan but i do respect his craft i think he deserves enough to be a part of that conversation and in my opinion he he surpassed kobe like two or three years ago i mean for god's sakes lebron has four mvps to his name four mvp titles in five years with Kobe, he only has one. He got his first and only MVP award later into his career. Now, people are going to compare rings three to five, but let's be honest. Kobe got three rings, his first three rings on Shaq's team, whereas LeBron got his rings where he was the leader on all those teams. Yes, he had D. Wade and Bosh and Kyrie and all these guys to help him out and what have you, but he was the de facto number one guy. First year in Miami, they didn't know whether it was between him or Wade as far as the leadership role is concerned, but... Year number two and going forward, he was the bonafide leader. So going forward. Anyways, I can go for days about this topic, but there's so much more to discuss in relation to LeBron and the rest of the band. But what do you guys think? Do you think that Scottie Pippen is kind of smoking a little too much of la-la-la by saying that he hasn't been at Jordan or even Kobe's level yet? Do you think he should be at his level? Do you consider him at his level or do you consider him higher than that? Or at least a part of the conversation overall. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, man, we got more LeBron talk to get into. But this time it's LeBron and company. The Cavs versus the Warriors for the third straight year in a row. It's about to go down June 1st. And I'm going to break it down all for you tonight. But before we get into all that good stuff, we got to get into some more music by way of some Canadians because we do support our own. And this one comes by way of Ottawa, Ontario native, a.k.a. the Cap City, my man Goliath Paw. And this one's called in and out off of his latest project, The Teaser. So keep it locked. We will be right back after these messages. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Once again, that was my man, Goliath Paul, with In and Out. So make sure you go stream down on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Anyways. It's time for the main topic of the evening. As you guys already know, for all my Hoop fans out there, even the casual ones out there as well, we are getting that third straight matchup between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, something that has never happened in NBA history, and that's that we're getting a matchup for the third consecutive year. Third same matchup, pardon me, within the same, or in the consecutive year, basically. So a lot of people are hyped up for this, and... From the moment, you know, KD signed with the Warriors in the summertime, we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was inevitable. It was just a matter of what their paths were going to look like come the postseason. I mean, some people said they, they ruined the regular season. Some people said, you know, they ruined, you know, the balance of power and parity within the NBA as a whole. 
But at the end of the day, whether they did whether they did all that or not, we're still gonna be tuning in. Like no one's gonna say, "Oh no, I'm boycotting the NBA Finals." Why? You're gonna be watching two Titans go at it. You're gonna have what, like three of the top ten players on the court all at the same time. I mean, shoot, that's that's the type of stuff that you see in an All Star game. But overall, you're gonna get. Let's see here about maybe seven of the top 30 players on the court at one point in time, that is almost unprecedented. And me right here, I'm here for it. So with all that being said, let's break it down. So let's kind of take a trip back to memory lane in 2015. So these two teams met up in the finals for the first time ever. We all expected the Cavs to go to the finals because it's LeBron, of course. And then the Golden State Warriors had an epic season. Uh, it saw the first season of Steve Kerr taking the, the helm at head coach right after they fired Mark Jackson. And he got the team sharing and distributing the ball a lot more. Now, a lot of people questioned their path to the finals because in each round, a certain player on each team was injured. And I think it was the point guard on each team. So that made it a bit of an unfair advantage. But nonetheless... It's the NBA. Injuries happen. You have to adjust. So, nonetheless, they persevered on through, made it to the finals, and unfortunately for LeBron and co., they were without Kevin Love, and then they were without Kyrie Irving after game one of the finals. So, a lot of people said that because the Warriors won, it was unfair, and that LeBron didn't have enough help, and that because he didn't have enough help, he wasn't able to take his team to the promised land. And that's a fair argument to make, but again... This is the NBA. This is pro sports. Injuries happen. You have to adjust on the fly. Nonetheless, there shouldn't be an asterisk on on that team's profile or resume because at the end of the day, the history books say that they were the 2015 champions. And Steph was the MVP that year. And his daughter Riley took over the internet. (laughs) Now, let's go back to 2016. LeBron was renewed. He was refocused. He wanted his revenge. He promised Cleveland a championship, and he was still going to stick to his promise. So they retooled. They they got themselves revitalized. Meanwhile, with the Warriors, they retooled and revitalized themselves as well. They wanted to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, and boy, oh boy, did they ever. They won 73 games in the regular season, the most by any team in NBA history, breaking that epic mark from the 1995-96 Chicago Bulls. However, despite that, when it came to the finals, they blew the 3-1 lead. And I think we all had the Cavs written off after the first two games because it didn't look too good for the Cavaliers. But for, for how, what, however they got it done, they were able to make a 3-1 series comeback, and no one in the history of the NBA has done that. So that's going to be a huge, huge badge on LeBron's resume when it's all said and done. But nonetheless, they got that chip, and he did it for Cleveland. And that brings us to 2017. Now, it's a bit bit different this time around because now the Warriors just hired some heavy artillery in the form of Kevin Durant. So a lot of people are saying it's an unfair advantage, but hey, blame the CBA, blame free agency, you know, call your mama and cry about it. That's just a thing that happens at the end of the day. So they got KD, so now they're the big four, essentially, in in Golden State versus the big three in, uh, in Cleveland. And a lot of people are very intrigued with a lot of the storylines that are happening within this uh, upcoming NBA Finals. So, again, KD leaving the OKC Thunder to join the Warriors. Um, You have LeBron making his seventh appearance, seventh straight appearance, I should say, 
in the NBA Finals, something that's very unprecedented. The only other player who's currently doing that right now is James Jones, <laughs> the most epic bench-riding player ever. I don't even know how this guy even has a contract. He he must be at the league's minimum minimum at this point. Um, so you have him on, on the team, and then, of course, another main storyline uh, within this postseason is the fact that both teams have dominated their conferences. Golden State swept their way into the finals where Cleveland came just one bristle shy of that had they not let that game three um, slip through their fingertips against the Boston Celtics who were without Isaiah Thomas when he had the hip uh, injury or re-aggravated it nonetheless. So you have all these storylines coming in and you know it's made for a lot of talk on a lot of the mainstream networks on the mainstream radio shows, a lot of podcasts. You got people in the barbershop talking, who you got, who you got, who you got. Uh, people, you know, analy- you know, the analysts are kind of going in on, you know, who is a better defensive team, uh, who's better on the fast break, on the transition. So there's so much talk and so much hype that's being pumped into it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that people need to, you know, realize is that we haven't really had a rivalry like this in quite some time. It's been a while. It's always been LeBron versus everybody, or it's been this team versus that team with, with no correlation, like Heat versus Mavericks. Like, that didn't really have a correlation, other than the fact that they faced each other the previous time back in 06. There was just not enough sizzle. It wasn't like in the 80s where it was Lakers versus Celtics, or in the Bulls, it was the Bulls versus whichever Eastern Conference team had the mantle at the time. It wasn't Bulls versus Jazz back-to-back years. So, like, the NBA was really missing something. There wasn't even really any interdivisional rivalry. You know, minus, you know, Boston versus Washington. That, that was pretty cool. That was, that was good to see. Hopefully, that will continue on into next season and for years to come as well. And, you know, just to be biased, I would love for my Toronto Raptors to have a rivalry with somebody just so I could scream at the TV. But nonetheless, these teams are rivals, and this is probably the closest thing that we've seen to Celtics versus – uh, Celtics versus Lakers. Now, obviously, they have the entire 80s to duel it out. And I think they faced each other about three times, but they each team was in the finals at one point in time during the 80s. Like, they are the two guaranteed teams that made it to the finals during that decade. Um, but, yeah, man, this is, this is going to be very fun. And it's going to be very fun because now we get to see if KD can avenge himself from what happened in 2012, I believe, when he first made it to the finals alongside Westbrook, Westbrook and also James Harden when they were playing on OKC. KD has always been referred to as the second best player in the league, and he's made quite a few rants about it here and there, saying how he's tired of being second best or being looked at as second, how he got drafted second back in 2007, how he's looked at as the second best player behind LeBron James, and that he wants to prove himself. This is the perfect time to do it. He is going mano a mano against LeBron James. They both play the same position. Some may argue that KD is the better scorer overall, but obviously LeBron is the more dominant presence between the two. This is make a break time for him, not only for him, but also I believe for Stephen Curry as well, because Stephen Curry had somewhat of a disappearing act last year in the finals, especially in that decisive game seven. He was nowhere to be found. He was making careless passes. He was missing shots he would normally make on the fly. He just wasn't being Steph. Also, we have to wonder whether or not Draymond will keep his legs to his damn self and stop kicking people in the nuts. Because had he not got suspended last year in, what, game five, I believe? Many would argue that this 
series would have ended in what, 4-2? That would be a fair estimate to make. So he's really got to keep his wits about himself. He's got to keep himself in check. His teammates need to keep him in check as well. You can be fiery. You can be passionate. That's cool. But you have to compartmentalize that onto the court, into basketball. You can't be kicking people in the nuts for no reason. Like, they're going to lock onto that, and they're going to see you as a target. So I really hope he has that in mind when he's performing on the court because that basically put them in the doghouse. However, I will say that he tried to rebound from it in that final game when he had, what was it, 35 points and some odd rebound, some odd assists. He had a damn near triple-double. Like, had they won that game, he would have been the Finals MVP easily. But anyways, I think he's looking to avenge himself, and he, and I think – he, I would like to assume at least that he's going to take full responsibility for whatever happens on his end, and he know he knows the ramifications of what's going to happen should he lose his cool. Speaking of cool, uh, Clay Thompson, he's averaging just over twenty points a game, um, but a lot of people are saying that he isn't getting the ball as much, which is true because you have another scorer in Kevin Durant who needs the ball. So I feel like Clay can really stand out and be that X factor for the team. Um, he's probably the best spot-up spot up shooter in the league right now. So if he can find his rhythm, find his shot, then that could prove to be an advantage for a Golden State. Now, on the Cavs side, the Cavs side, they worry me a bit just because of the differential in age. Like, a lot of the guys on Golden State, for example, most of them are in their mid to late 20s, whereas there's a few guys who are probably in their early 30s at most. Now, you go over to Cleveland, yo, a lot of these guys are hitting 30. LeBron, 32. Um, Kyle Korver, he's 35. James Jones, I mean, he's not going to play anyway, but he's in his 30s as well, for sake of argument. J.R. Smith, he's about 31, I believe. So uh, Darren Williams, he's, what, 32 now? So a lot of these guys are in, like, are in veteran status. And so if these guys are not hitting their shots, then it could be game over for Cleveland easily. Now, as far as their shots hitting, I mean, they've been lights out from three ever since the playoffs began. So they're well aware that they can go shot for shot against the Golden State Warriors on a good day. But if for whatever reason they get cold, then it could be lights out for them. So I think they really need to uh, keep that in mind as far as the consistency with the three ball. Um, Also, their defense. Their defense has been a bit shoddy as of late for the last two or three games. Now, mind you, they had that epic blowout performance uh, in Boston. And even though Boston scored over 100 points, that was the last – few minutes was garbage time and they kind of let uh Boston kind of have their way because the game was way out of reach by that time but when it comes to Golden State that switch that they talked about before the end of the regular season that switch needs to go up to another dial or two just so they can secure themselves of a championship if if that's the case LeBron is going to do LeBron I'm not really worried about LeBron even though he was coasting the last few games uh, that we saw against Boston you would like to think that he is going to be in the moment, especially when you consider that this is his seventh straight finals appearance and his eighth finals appearance overall. He's going to have the eye of the tiger locked in. So Cleveland fans, LeBron fans, they shouldn't be worried about him, you know, unless there's an injury lurking, knock on wood, of course, you wouldn't wish on any player at all. That would be a downer, especially if you're thinking about the ratings, what have you. But player, player health first, you know, none of that. So this should be an interesting, interesting finals matchup. Who needs it more? That's a tough one to call because if LeBron wins, that's his fourth title. 
That's going to be his fourth title. That's going to bring him to about what four and four in the NBA Finals. And he's the the, the conversation between you know who's better between him and Jordan is really going to heighten. It's going to elevate itself to a new level at that point. Should he lose? He'll be three and five in the finals, which is nothing to be ashamed of, especially when you've been there eight times overall. He'll still be in the conversation, no less, and I don't think it'll take a hit at his legacy. His legacy will still be intact. Now, as far as Golden State, I think Golden State needs it just a bit more because they have to avenge themselves from what happened last year when you consider the fact that they blew a 3-1 series lead. They had it in the bag, and they let it slip by them. And it could have been because of, you know, carelessness, cockiness, whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is they let it slip, and they know they let it slip. So they have to avenge themselves for that. Not only that, but KD needs to avenge himself as well because of the fact that he lost in the finals five years prior. And also, he needs to prove that he is a top-tier talent that is within LeBron's range as well. He joined this team just to win a title. So if he doesn't do that this year, he's going to be hearing it all summer long. The blogosphere is going to get at him. Twitter is going to get at him. Social media will have a field day until training camp. And if you thought those cupcake memes were, were bad before, it will be one hell of a California wildfire should he and the Warriors lose in this matchup this year. But at the end of the day, there can only be one winner. So who do you guys got? You got Warriors or you got Cavs? Will LeBron win a fourth ring, second with Cleveland? Or will KD get his first ring and possibly turn this into a dynasty going forward? What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, man, we got so much to get into, man. We got to talk about some biggie news happening in New York. We got to talk about the Netflix series, The Get Down. And we also got to talk about the marital issues between T.I. and Tiny. So we have that coming up. But before we get to that, we got some more Canadian content to play for you guys. And this one comes by way of the Baghdad Bully. And this one's called Together. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Indeed you are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, <clears throat> DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Once again, that was my man, the Baghdad Bully. Uh, so make sure you go check out his music uh, wherever you can, all right? Now, it is time for Trip Talk. Three topics of three minutes, and we're about to get into it right now. So first topic on the deck, man. We got to talk about the notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. So... There is a mural of him that is painted out in Brooklyn on a, on an apartment building, and it was ordered to be taken down. However, a petition was filled out to have it maintained, basically. So after the backlash that was faced, you know, towards the landlord of said building, he relented and decided not to take it down. So here is a statement as follows. So the statement was put out by one of the artists uh, of the mural who goes by the name of Naofal Rocco Aloui. And basically, he went and spoke to the landlord whose name is, I'm just getting it right now, Samuel Berkowitz. So Samuel Berkowitz is a landlord and who wanted to take it down, but then after he was convinced by the artist uh, known as uh, Rocco, among other people, of course, he decided not to take it down. And this is how Rocco describes the conversation between the two. And I quote, to be honest, 
He just didn't know how important Biggie is to Brooklyn. He's not a bad guy. A lot of people offered to help financially, but he said he don't need the money, just the respect of his neighbors. So that's pretty much how it went down. And I don't know if you guys have seen this mural, but it's a very beautiful portrait of Biggie. And it's this iconic photo of, you know, it's more of like a headshot with his chain on. I think it's probably his Jesus piece. You can't see the pendant from there, but nonetheless, we're all thinking it's possibly the Jesus piece with his crown tilted to the side in a very gangster looking way, basically, signifying that he is the king of New York and rightfully so. Um, but when I hear about stories like these and I see works of art such as that, my initial thought is who would want to tear that down? Sure, you may not be familiar with whom or what the painting is about or what the piece is about in general, but it's still art at the end of the day. And it was allowed by the state or the city at the very least to have it painted on that building. So why have it taken down? I mean, for all I know, or, you know, I feel as though this should be looked as a landmark because Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, Christopher Wallace is one of the greatest inhabitants that has come out of New York City. He made the borough of Brooklyn that much more popular as if it hadn't been already. He just made it a staple within pop culture. And I don't really know too much about my New York history or my Brooklyn history in particular, but name me someone else other than Jay-Z who has been as big, pun intended, as Biggie Smalls. I'll let you DM me if that's the case, please, because I would like to know. I don't think Frank Sinatra is from Brooklyn. I could be wrong. If that's the case, then that, that's at least another person. But my point is, when you have an epic piece of art like that, that, is, that was inspired by one of the greatest poets and musicians and recording artists you know, of any generation, then why have it taken down? Sure, you can take a picture of it, but it's not the same. Like, that is, like, all the paint that was layered on that brick and stone has now become a part of the city. It has become a fabric of that urban environment. I mean, even got to the point where the Brooklyn Nets, the basketball team of the NBA, put out an Instagram post taking a picture of it and stating the following under the caption, Today marks what would have been the late Notorious B.I.G.'s 45th birthday, the iconic mural of Christopher Wallace at Bedford Avenue and Quincy Street in Brooklyn is at risk of being taken down. But we are stepping in and working with Spread Art NYC and other NYC leaders to help see that it stays. Spread love is the Brooklyn way. I mean, that says it right there. It doesn't get any better and more official than that. The first and only thing that the Brooklyn Nets have done right all year round, I'm just saying... But do you guys agree, like, should it have been taken down? Do you think that it should still be preserved? Um, did Bur Berkowitz make the right decision by keeping it there? I'm assuming the right answer is yes from all of you faithful. But nonetheless, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio or comment in the section below once I post this on YouTube. Now, next story on the dock, man. This, this one's an interesting one, actually. And it breaks my heart as well because we're keeping the theme with New York here. Uh, the Get Down, the television show on Netflix has unfortunately been canceled off of Netflix. Now, the reason why this show was canceled was because of the fact that there was low ratings and also there was some production controversy that was happening. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, insight 
on whatever controversies were happening, but nonetheless, that was the statement that was made. Now, the producer of the show, Baz Luhrmann, offered a statement on Facebook about why the show got canceled and, you know, the aftermath of it and what he may plan to do going forward with the brand The Get Down. So this is what he said. Uh, This is actually a snippet of what he said on his Facebook page, and I quote, When I was asked to come to the center of the get down to help realize it, I had to defer a film directing commitment for at least two years. This exclusivity has understandably become a sticking point for Netflix and Sony, pardon me, who have been tremendous partners and supporters of the show. It kills me that I can't split myself into two and make myself available to both productions. I feel so deeply connected to all those who I have worked and collaborated with on this remarkable experience. So that was just a snippet of what he said, you know, in the statement in regards to uh, the show being shut down, unfortunately. Now, my thing is this, you know, if you have, you know, multiple commitments, then it should be a you should make one of your commitments a priority over the other instead of giving it equal equal value. And I'm not in this person's position, so who am I to, to judge? But at the same time, like if you know that you have another uh, priority that needs equal attention, then you got to be able to balance one or the other or choose between one or the other if it's going to conflict with the other, essentially. And the get down is something that hadn't really been done before in its context. We haven't really seen a show primarily about hip-hop that deals with the beginnings of hip-hop. We've seen documentaries, we've seen snippets of the beginnings of hip-hop within movies, but we've never seen a show that really dived into how hip-hop got started. And mind you, this is somewhat of a reimagination because we don't know about the characters such as Ezekiel Figaro um, and and uh, Shaolin Fantastic, you know, existing in the real world. But I'm sure they are caricatures of people who did exist. Uh, but nonetheless, you you have your characters like Grandmaster Flash who actually do exist and what have you, and the fundamentals of hip hop that were uh, created upon its inception that are also instituted in this show. So they did stay true to the culture in that regard, and I'm glad they did. Uh, but nonetheless, this should be a show that should be given um, a new breath of life on another network, maybe, maybe ne- uh, not Netflix, uh, maybe HBO may pick it up. Who knows? But I feel like this show should continue on going forward. Do you guys agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Once again, hit me up in the comments section below on YouTube or hit me up at cool underscore radio or DM underscore cool on Twitter to let me know. And final topic of trip talk, man, we got to get into this issue between, uh, Tiny and T.I. So basically, these guys are at odds with each other because they are going through a divorce. And Tiny basically let it be known that T.I. was cheating on her with an assistant that she hired uh, to help them out with, I guess, what, financial-related things and what have you. But that all kind of went sour. And then T.I. basically fired back at her saying that you're messing with an enemy of mine. And people are speculating that that enemy was Floyd Mayweather. Now, this was being talked about on their show, um, The Family Hustle. And basically, T.I. didn't mention who he was referring to by name, but a lot of people were linking it back to Floyd Mayweather because him and Mayweather had an issue a couple of years back that involved Tiny. So he kind of threw that back at her. Now, this is what I think. Reality TV will most definitely ruin a relationship. It's bound to do it at any point in time. And I think their biggest mistake was putting their relationship 
front and center. Uh, so that's something that they shouldn't have done because now the sanctity of their marriage has been compromised in that regard. So I hope that these two are able to reconcile their differences and at least be cordial for the sake of their children instead of putting their business out on front street for the world to see because their kids don't need to see that. Their friends and family don't need to see that. I sure as hell don't need to see that. I don't even care about VH1 reality shows or reality shows for that matter in general. But that's just my opinion on the matter. Do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Hit me up. You already know what to do. All right, guys. It's time for uh, the Flashback Friday track of the day. And I felt uh, I felt like I was in a late 90s vibe. So with that being said, we're going to play this classic record from Camp Low. It's entitled Lucini, a.k.a. This Is It. What? So when we come back, we do have the Wanks of the Week. Keep it locked. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I will not keep you waiting any longer. It's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Cootery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Wankster of the Week. And we about to get it in just like this. The Wankster of the Week goes to a lady by the name of Sophie Brousseau. Now you're wondering, who the hell is that? Basically, this is the alleged uh, baby mama of Drake, all right? Or upcoming baby mama so basically she is accusing drake of impregnating her and now she is a couple months pregnant with his unborn daughter um so i'm not giving her the wankster because she's accusing him of impregnation i'm accusing him or sorry i'm giving her the wankster of the week because of the way she's accusing him and how she's lauded it to fact as to how he is the father she is basically stating that he is the father because the baby is supposedly due in October, and Drake's birthday is born in October. Therefore, the two are incrementally linked together. Not only that, ladies and gentlemen, but she is also stating that because his lucky number is 13, that the daughter's due date is going to be October 13th, and that is a proof as to how he is the father of unborn child. No! 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 I got nothing. I I don't know what to say to that. I mean, I've heard, you know, I've heard thing people say, "Oh, He's a father because, you know, look at the eyes, look at the mouth, look at the nose. Or I've heard people say, oh, that kid ain't mine. That kid ain't mine because I can't make girls. Like, I've heard stupid comments like that, but I've never heard anything as this idiotic. Ah. Wow. Groupies are out here struggling for proof these days, and she is one that is making that case known. So I don't know who this person is. I hope Drake didn't impregnate this crazy-ass person uh, a few months ago. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he strapped up on this woman. If not, then I hope that Cuddy was worth it because she seems like she's batshit crazy. 
So on that note, she's getting the wankster of the week. Does she deserve it? Hell yes, she does. I'm going to give it to her just like this, but not in the way that Drake did. <laughs> Drizzy, I don't know what you're getting yourself into, bro. But nonetheless, that caps it off for another evening of Cool Radio. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. You guys can catch us next week as usual. And make sure you hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool and cool underscore radio. Cool underscore radio on SoundCloud. Cool underscore radio on YouTube. And also um, Facebook.com slash Cool Radio CC on Facebook. And once again, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.